this week, and I think over the last three weeks or so, almost every single discipleship meeting um, that I've been in, I started seeing the same exact things um, that Abba Father is speaking into his church and what Jesus Christ is calling out of his bride. Last Sunday, I was asked to go and do the sermon at Connect with the Creator. I wasn't asked last Sunday, I was asked prior to that just for the team. They did their planning, but I went to do a sermon. And, and um, as it was leading up to that, I could feel the Holy Spirit say, you're not going to prepare a sermon. Um, I'm setting up a moment with my sons and daughters. And so therefore, I will prepare your heart for whatever it is. In my spiritual Christian journey, um, as I grew up as a Christian in a Christian home, knowing what is right and what is wrong, with strong conviction on the Word of God, parents teaching us to pray, parents teaching us to read Scripture and Word, I always assumed that my faith was pure and holy and strong. And obviously, through difficulties in life, through challenges, as a young Christian, when Ronella and myself got married this year, 25 years ago, when we got married, we thought we had it. We thought our faith was strong enough for 25 years in the making. We thought we had it all. And then life's challenges started in the way that only God can show us where the lack in our faith lies. Challenges happen. The other day, and sorry for, to all the ladies, I just want to say, it really was a joke when I said that my wife is submissive and that she reacted. If there is even a hint of feminism in this atmosphere, I want to come against whatever offense that joke wanted to make. She is submissive because I say, I say so. She has to do everything that I say she has to do. Again, I'm joking. I want to make sure that we, <laughs> that we catch the heart here. I'm speaking. It's me. I'm speaking. If you come to know me, if you understand me, if you know who I am, I am a person like every single one here. I have a character, a capacity, a personality, a temperament, a gift for him, as every single one of you have. Like every single one of you. There is no one like you. No one. Per illustration, just per illustration, allow me just to, just to not because of anything more specific to anything that I'm going to do now. This is so random. This is so unique. But please just allow me this moment. Marius, will you please stand up? Niels, Herman, Richard, Willi, Johan. Jock, Quentin, 
Jannes, Andrei, Saki. Every single one of us. I know some of what comes against men. Can I ask all the men to stand up quickly? As some was highlighted and called out, you're included. I know what comes against you. I understand. We will be who God called us to be. We will stand strong. We will love her. We are called. We were made first. We were made stronger. To protect. To God. To rule. As prophet priest and king. That's who you are. You can sit. Thank you. Can I ask all the ladies to stand up for me, please? There is something that he planted in us as men. That fully knows you. Fully understands you. You came out of. There is something specific and unique about you. You are wise. Wisdom stands at the street corner. She calls out. How much longer, O simpletons, will you be simple? Wisdom, support, backing, help. Help in strengthening. That's who you are. You carry a power that is magnificent and strong and unique. And you dare not tell the world, let the world tell you who you are. Your identity was formed by him. Male and female, he created them. Before she was. Before he took her out. Go read the scripture. He made him. But male and female, he created them. Then he took her out. In that image was the bride from the beginning, his own. You carry something in you to beautify the bride in your uniqueness and your beauty. We are here to protect you, speak life over you, guard you, cover you, love you well. You are helpers. In the midst of church, wise and uniquely wired 
to serve in such an amazing, powerful way. And the way that the enemy comes against you so many times, so many times, is with gossip and slander, backstabbing and hurt, doubt, inferiority, and then comparison. Do not compare yourself with anyone. There is no one as unique as you are. No one. Thank you. Every single person that stood this morning was fearfully and wonderfully made, unique. And there is absolutely no one else like you. You are his own gift to himself. He knows exactly why he made you, exactly what he wants to live through you. But before any of that starts, all he's after is your heart. All he is after is your trust in who he is. Completely and utterly trust him. What I am seeing is I see how people misquote scripture against each other as Christians with false prophets in our midst. How the one congregation wants to be stronger than the other with false prophets in our midst. Listen to what I say. Every tongue that confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord carries his spirit. And every spirit that comes against Jesus Christ being birthed, died, raised, went back to heaven and sent his spirit. Everyone that denies him is the Antichrist. Do not slander against the church. Do not speak against her. Today, it is my aim to elevate deceit and show it for what it is. It is in every single one of us. And we dare not act in line with it. It is called fleshly nature. It knows how to sift us. The enemy knows us. It is my aim to elevate deceit. Not because the sermon is called deceit. The sermon is called truth. So my question starts with us. What is truth? In today's society, truth is a concept. It's an idea. It's a thought. It is yours against mine. In today's society, truth is a word that is slandered against one against the other. My truth versus your truth. When you go out and you meet any atheist or any agnostic, and, and, and in the beautiful way, God allows me to meet them where my life is to help them see that they believe in themselves. Not they don't believe in God. They believe in themselves. And to help them overcome deceit, which is also the enemy. Truth is the person of Jesus Christ. 
There is no other truth. Your truth and my truth is found in one. It's in him. Your truth doesn't count. It's untruth. It's no truth at all. He is truth. It's not his truth. It's not his thinking. It's not his ways. It's him. His truth. And therefore he gave us the spirit of truth to come and live in us. And that's the whole battle. It's a battle to get us into fleshly thinking and doing against us being who he made us to be. Which is not just a thought. It is a new life. Captured in faith. So what I want to do, if you will allow me, I just want to make sure, are you still awake? Like, I'm okay. The snot in the is off a drivieke. Forgive me. I'm okay with crying. And cowboys don't cry. That's why they stay in Texas. <laughs> South Africans cry. I want to read you a... Oh, you're mean dog. Um, I want to read you a precious book. And I want you to... Oh, wait. Ons gaan nie kom. Hope you know. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> I'm placing myself with you. Don't give me leave. Singular. I could so gemaakt en to weet sy. I'm placing myself with you in this writer's shoe. In his shoes. The writer of the book Jude, which is the person Jude. He is um, one of the brothers of Jesus. When I read scripture, I, I, I constantly pray, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself. Reveal truth. And, and what I see is, I see deception in the cunningness that it comes at us. I see how we, we speak as if we understand when scripture says that false teachers will come. And we bring other congregations trying to build what Jesus says they must do into the mix. And what we do is gossip and strife enters church. We rape each other and we kill each other. It's my hope that this morning you will never, ever listen to that scripture in the same way as if one congregation does it better than the other. Congregations following the name of Jesus Christ, proclaiming his truth for who he is. We're not against each other. We're all for him. So stay your lane. Do what he says. That's what we want to build. We can't be everyone, but we can be us. And so it's my hope that the scripture will make a lot of sense today. It's my hope that you will see exactly what this speaks against. That we will see the enemy and the false teaching. That we will see it and we will recognize it. So that's the setup. The book of Jude we're going to read the whole book. The whole 
book, every chapter. And if you have not ever read the book of of Jude, relax. It is Jude. Jude 1 and Jude 2 are verses, not chapters. It's just Jude. It has no chapters. So when we read the whole book, it's the book of the chapter of the sentences of which there is, I think, 14. We're going to read the whole book of Jude. Are you with me? I want to set up the scene. This is the brother of Jesus. You remember the scripture. I want you to read it with me in this way. You remember the scripture when Jesus said that even though, through Paul, even though he was God, he did not count himself God. Remember that scripture. Here's the brother of Jesus. You know what I would have written if this was the book of Pierre? Like, Pierre, a broer van Jesus. And then my first, second sentence would have been, I grew up with him. I saw him. He taught me everything from Ketty to slaying giants. I would have told you all about him. The timeline we're going to go through of Jude, the book of Jude, And then the explanation as to why this book was given to the church. Those are the first two slides. So timeline. The book of Jude was written somewhere between A.D. 60 and 80. The book of Jude is closely related to the book of 2 Peter. The date of authorship for Jude depends on whether Jude used content from 2 Peter or Peter used content from Jude when writing 2 Peter. So when you go into these two books, if you want the breakdown of the book of Jude, you'll get the influence. So it was either whatever the the brother of Jesus, Jude, wrote, influenced Peter in his second letter, or whatever Peter wrote, Jude took and he went, listen, so this inspiration church I'm giving you, Peter spoke to the Jews. The Jews were the ones that were supposed to have it. Peter was called to the Jews. Jude's book is written to the Jews. It's, it's saying, hey, you who grew up supposedly knowing this or supposed to know this. You get what I'm saying? In South Africa, we have Christianity where you go to church on a Sunday morning. And you leave the church on a Sunday morning. Like Jews. We grow up with Christian values and rules and regulations. The foundations lie. But the spiritual church is above going to. It is us. It's the temple. It's the most holy of holies. No longer a tent. No longer a temple. But he is in us. So, we need to come to the purpose of writing. The book of Jude is an important book for us today because it is written for the end times, for the end of the church's age. The church age began at the day of Pentecost. Jude is the only book given entirely to the great apostasy. 
Jude is the only book given entirely to the great apostasy. We must understand this from beginning to end. It's saying the enemy is coming against her. Be sharp. The enemy is going to try and sift you. The enemy is coming against your faith. Israel. So who are we? The true Israel is everyone who believes like Father Abraham. Abraham lived 400 years prior to the law. So it's not an Old Testament person. It's the person that started all of this where God said, I will call out and your descendants will be more than all of the stars. And here we sit. Here we sit. Jude writes that the evil works are the evidence of apostasy. He admonishes us to contend for the faith. For there are tares amongst the wheat. False prophets are in the church and the saints are in danger. Jude is a small but important book worthy of study. Written for the Christian of today. This is a beautiful book. Now I want you to understand that when we're going to do the following. Because I know the enemy. I want you to understand the following. That you do not have to look to your left or your right. To see who any false teacher is amongst us. The enemy knows exactly how to come against us. He knows how to sift us. And so the whole idea and the whole concept of today is to elevate this truth of false teaching. We're going to read from Jude. And now, are you awake? To all the millennials, Gen Zers. And all the rest, snippets, one page at a time. You will live. You can do this. Okay? You will live. See it like a picture with many words. Now listen to how he starts. The brother of Jesus, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Isn't it beautiful? Like me and the other one, the other one that wrote, hey, listen, stand in your faith, resist the enemy, resist the devil, he will flee from you. The other one that spoke to the church says, dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. When your faith is tested, your endurance can grow. Let your endurance grow for when it's fully developed, you'll be strong in character, ready for anything like him. Jude is the brother of the one that wrote that. <laughs> to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Oh, the bride, when he comes for her. Do you hear it? To those who have been called, are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, love be yours in abundance. Isn't that the most precious entrance? Are you ready to read the second picture? Let's read the second picture. Dear friends, 
Although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in amongst you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at all one at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgments on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whether they do not understand, whatever they do not understand. And the very thing they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves, they are clouds without rain, blown along with the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been deserved, reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in the ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow their natural instinct and do not have the spirit. But you, but you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, 
Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy. Mixed with fear. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Isn't this just a powerful book? And now the conspiracy starts. Because who are they? And one after the other, after the other, after the other. I start to recognize. The enemy was extremely cunning. Extremely cunning. In making us think that they sit here amongst us. When he says, seated amongst us. Because we see church only as when we gather. How does deception work? I have three pictures here. The one to the left is like a shadow. Scares you. It's the enemy. We did kingdom school this week. And in kingdom school, I shared the testimony of how the Lord showed me the enemy is disarmed. And in my context, I'm a picture person. He helped me see that. Not only did he take away the armor, not only did he take away the shield or the sword, I saw the image of the enemy disarmed. He had no arms. Arms ripped off. And the moment that God wanted to show me, Pierre, you felt fear when Satan stood right in front of you two minutes ago and pointed to you and said, Pierre Ferreira, I'm going to kill you. I was starting to stand up spiritually. I was starting to get this as a revelation. I was starting to realize that God has called me to the church. I want to equip and train his body. That is part of my purpose. I want to make sure that we live a godly life. Whatever we do in business, in love, in marriage, in friendship, and brotherhood, whatever it is, it's all about Jesus. And I was starting to get this when the enemy stood right in front of me and pointed me and said, I'm going to kill you. And I went white. Fear came in in a moment because this was the Satan. And when I swallowed and I went, Jesus, why? You just gave me an open vision. You just took me into the spiritual. I saw. I got it. And the Lord smiled. He wasn't intimidated. He didn't have fear. He didn't stress. He wasn't white. He was white as wool. <laughs> but he wasn't white because he had groot geskrik like me. Hy was moos wit oor iets anders. Ek moos moos wit oor iets anders. So what happened was, he took me into this picture and said, now I'm going to show you the enemy 
without him having the power to manipulate and intimidate. And he showed me that picture of the enemy being disarmed, arms ripped off. And then he said, where is his shield? Where is his sword? And then James' scripture came in, resist the enemy, he will flee from you. Then Ephesians came in with Paul, therefore take on your armor daily, and I have a shield, and I have a sword. He doesn't have arms to hold anything up. And then I started laughing. And then the Lord said, he still has a mouth. His head isn't crushed yet. Be very, very careful to whatever it is that he speaks. He is like a prince of peace. He comes in amongst your midst. The enemy knows how to sift through us. So like a mirage, like a shadow, he scares us. Like a shadow, he takes us on paths that we do not want to go. means. And then at other times, we hang on to his lies. That's that illustration. Like empty balloons, that's the second illustration. Beautiful, but empty, worth nothing. Your faith can move mountains and your doubt can create them. So now what I want to show you is I want to show you how the enemy sits amongst us. I want to show you the influence. I want to show you how he gets it right. Who does the most preaching in your life? It's not when we come here that the false teachers are in our midst. You live daily. We started off reading, if your eye is light, oh, how light that soul. But if your eye is dark, who does the most preaching? What do you allow in? Misha said, okay, if I share our moment. This morning she came in, my daughter. They downloaded a game that they can play on their devices. And so they always come to us and say, can we do this? Can we? And so we approve on Family Link. What happened is she came in and this specific game that they're playing has a very cunning angle to it. It says if you only watch an advertisement, it will allow you to continue. There's no other option. And so now they're sitting there and going, Dad, can we please watch the advertisement? Can we? So when we press it, play, we, we'll turn it around. To which I went, I would love to say yes. Honestly, because I can see how the four of you enjoy this. But as the prophet, priest, and king of this house, I have absolutely no idea what advertisements they're going to show you. And I promise you this. Today, you'll turn it around. Tomorrow, you'll turn it around. But the day thereafter, there's going to be one advertisement that's going to start off well. And you're going to watch it just out of interest, just intrigue. It's just going to catch your thinking. And then you're going to watch it. And then it's still going to be okay. And the day after that, you're going to be okay with advertisements. And you're going to watch it anyway. Then I'm going to come in and you're going to feel guilty because you're watching an advertisement. Then you're going to turn around. Then something is wrong between us because now you're hiding something from me. Then the day after that, I don't know, but just maybe 
a zombie or an alien or a something that wants to hinder your sleep is going to come onto your screen. I am the prophet, priest, and king of this house. I cannot allow. So I would rather explain to you how cunning the enemy is. I would rather explain to you how conditioning works. When we speak purity and holiness, we do not understand the level. I remember five years ago, driving down Mead Street, I had a moment with, with Malcolm this week, where I explained the moment. I was driving down, and I saw on my left at OK, four massive big screens of ladies in their lingerie as advertisements on the outside display. I stopped. I went into management. I said, I will sue you for the pornography that you're putting out on the streets. This as advertisements in your magazines and inside is your choice, but you will not defile the streets of George. My children has to come past here. My children will see this. When I go to the beach and I see ladies in bikinis walking around with their bodies, and I go, will you walk around with your panty and your bra? No. Well, that is less than that. That covers more than this. Meet your dear tracker key. Do you not understand that your body is a temple? Do you not understand how holy His holiness is? Do you not understand that the enemy knows exactly how to condition us? Exactly how to condition us. So I said to them, I will sue you. You can tell your head office, I will sue you for the pornography that you're putting on your windows. You dare not. Not even in my own home do we treat our mother's body in my son's just walking in and seeing how then do you expect me as a father in this city to drive past this and be okay with the pornography that you're putting up yes sir but it's only lingerie and pornography vastgeval. Ken jy die demonic activation? So they took it down. His ways are above. Who does the most preaching in your home? What is the amount of time, parents, that we allow our children to see and view if we live for the next generation? What do we allow into our eyes? When we read about His level, His standard, when we see His holiness, what do we compare it to? If cunningness comes in, and the preachers that we allow preaching to us with the stories that we watch, and we don't even think worldview. We don't think biblical worldview. We don't consider in any way what it is that the enemy is preaching into our lives. False teachers amongst us. So it's no longer that someone stands at the pulpit and blasphemes. It's not church because church speaks to the spirit of Jesus. But cunning deceit is cunning. And deceit 
comes at the flesh. And if our moral standard becomes our own, who here, disciples, anyone that just cannot see breakthrough? And the moment that you start to dig, you recognize there's no time in the Word, there's no building relationship, there's no effort whatsoever at all. And then he looks at us and he says, you are my beautiful bride. Times, listen to me, times are not going to become easier. Times are going darker. Light is supposed to go lighter. That's what his word says. So sermons like these will not be preached every Sunday. Don't worry. Because I'm not saying what you're doing wrong. I'm not. Listen to me. I'm not telling you what you're doing wrong. I'm just explaining how well the enemy knows you. Do not allow false teachers in your midst. Do not in any way allow false teachers in your midst. Because they will not stand on a pulpit and make it obvious. They will come into your midst in whatever cunning, subtle way you allow. Second last, then we're done. Just the illustration of Jesus is truth. What is his structure to family? There is his picture of family. What is his picture of you? There is his picture of you. His own image. Like him here on earth. No Jesus, no peace. For the gospel is the gospel of peace. It's the new covenant of peace. That is what Jesus brought to us. Now in conclusion, with everyone awake. Quickly, just quickly, just quickly bump the person next to you. You're like, hey, this tight. Welcome, Amal. It is like om jullie hier te Ons maak klaar. Hebrews 2 verse 1, we have read so many times over the last few weeks. For this reason, that is because God's final revelation of His Son Jesus, and because of Jesus' superiority to to the angels, we must pay much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard, so that we do not in any way drift away from truth. So, 